I love the integrity of Jeanette's prayer that uh, things we say in prayer sound fine and maybe they do represent what we're hoping for, what we'd like to be, what we'd like to experience. I want to give thanks to uh, Reverend Lauren Ng, who was here with us, here with you, last week, standing in in the pulpit. I listened to her message on home last night. If you weren't here, if you missed it, I would really strongly urge you, the entire service is on the website, or you, if you can just fast forward ahead to the, uh, to the message if you don't want to listen to the music. She's talking about the time frame. <laughs> and what's good about the music is that, uh, <laughs> you know, you can just play that in the car all day long, take it with you. Maybe we do take our worship team for granted. We love you guys so much. Every week they bring it. Every week. And I've, I've been wrestling this week with this text. I hope you have a Bible. If not, there's one nearby. We're looking at Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 13. This is one of our Lord's parables. And the topic is wealth, so you might look at that and say, well, I'm off the hook. (laughs) And if you don't do that, know that your pastor's been doing it for you all this week with God, wrestling, you know, these, this is Alameda, these are working class folk. We are not, you know who really needs this message is the people up in the Oakland Hills, right? Them big old houses or, or beyond that in Walnut Creek. Those are the people that need it. They've got all the money. Or you go down to Danville. I mean, the streets are lined with dollars in Danville. Or Silicon Valley Peninsula. They need a message on wealth, right? The tech billionaires and the financiers. And then it occurred to me that Jesus' first audience was people from poor fishing villages around the Sea of Galilee. Like us in Alameda, common folk. People that weren't loaded, because I know you're not loaded. If you're loaded, you're doing a good job of disguising it. We are honest, working class, everyday citizens, just like the people that Jesus spoke to and the topic of wealth and our perspective on it is what we're going to look at today. Take it out of ancient Palestine, set it right down here with us, August of 2019. It was an occasional teaching. In other words, it just sort of came up along the way. Verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. 
But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Now, if you're a Bible verse memorizer, I would encourage you to memorize Luke 12, 15. Look at the power in this. Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. That was Jesus' topic. Greed as it concerns wealth. Your life is more than the stuff that you have. And then, verse 16, he told them a parable. The exchange with the man who wanted Jesus to intervene in this family matter gave an opportunity for him to teach and to tell this story, beginning in verse 16. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I'll pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. And we read that and we say, That is the American way. That's capitalism at its finest. What's the problem? Verse 20, Jesus said, But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you've prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. Topic is greed as it concerns wealth. And it occurred to me, I had been told somewhere in the past, somewhere along the line, and it's true, that Jesus spoke more about money than heaven and hell combined. So there's something about the way we view money that's incredibly important and is indicative of our spiritual lives. They used to say it like this, if you want to see a person's priorities... Look at their checkbook register. Well, you know, no one uses checks anymore. No one but the lady in front of me at the grocery store (laughs) who writes them painfully slow. Take a look at your bank statement. Right? I haven't received the bank statement in the mail in years. But go online and look at where your money is going. Look at your bank account and that tells what your priorities are. Are you invested in the kingdom? In the words of Jesus, are you rich toward God? Or are you storing up things for yourself? How this came about. The simple matter. This guy knew Jesus had wisdom, you know, Tell my brother to help me out, kind of like Mary and Martha. Tell my sister, Jesus, you know, this, this is not family court, people. 
I'm not Judge Judy. We ask Jesus for some crazy things in our lives, don't we? Sometimes we get a little bit off base. Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Right? And we ask Jesus for the wrong things, for crazy things. And that's okay, ask away. But ask knowing that sometimes the answer is no. That was the case here. You guys go and figure it out. And Jesus diagnosed. I mean, how would you like to be this guy, right? Everyone's gathered around. Hey, Jesus, over here, help me out. Jesus, oh, by the way, that reminds me, greed. Look out for greed. Just called him out in the middle of everyone and says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. So where does that come into play for us? in terms of our priorities, if we look back at the flow of our finances. What are we investing in? And I'm, to, I'm not talking just about giving to church. I assume that you're giving to church. But there's more to it than that, right? In the way that you, if God, because we get this mentality, church folk, you know, they used to talk about the tithe, right? The Old Testament standard, 10%. Give 10% of your income. The, the end of that thinking is that 10% of my income goes to God, 90% is mine. That's not really the way that it works. That God owns everything, all of it, and entrusts wealth to us. And we have to see wealth in a relative way. What I, how I see wealth is by distancing myself from rich people, right? And then I can look over there and see that the problem is them. It's those rich folk out there somewhere. But when you consider the world community, you soon begin to recognize that you are among the wealthy in this world. You are the one percenter. That's sobering. As you drive by the tent cities around us, you recognize, man, I've got shelter. I've got a place where I can go home and close and lock the door and not have anybody mess with my stuff. That's the attitude that Jesus is pointing out to us here. My stuff. What is it that you treasure? What is it that you prize? It's not just a number in your bank account. It applies to everything that you possess. And the question of whether you possess it or it possesses you. What sort of hold do your things have on you? Think about the stuff that we have in our homes. Think about our kitchens, right? 
the gadgetry and we love to cook and think about the things that other people around the world are doing without. And what can we do? How can we have an impact? What, what if we would make a decision to simplify our lives, to pare things down? How many of you have moved recently, within the last five years or so? Raise your hand if you've moved. When you move, that's when you realize how much stuff you have, right? I had a friend ask me to, to, to help her move recently. I've just got a few things. We got a truck, loaded it twice. <laughs> we realize the possessions, the things that we hold on to, things that are important to us, and then we ask the important question of why. Why is it that these things have so much hold of us? And it's not just about finances. It's not just about the things that we own. It's pervasive greed as an attitude in terms of our reputation, our status, our sense of self-importance on the job. Do you know who I am? Do you know how many people report to me? Et cetera, et cetera. And we see people, colleagues, comrades, who are experiencing success, and that greed is in us, right? And we want that. We want to be praised. We want to be talked about. We want to be famous. And we say that we don't. We don't like it. We don't appreciate the attention. We do, right? Crave that stuff. That's also what's being talked about here. Verse 21, it's, so it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. Think about that phrase, rich toward God. What does that mean in your life? As you consider your standing in this world community. And I know you've traveled, folks have traveled to other countries and you see and experience a lifestyle that is so far pared down from what we experience so basic? I mean, we see people in other places who live in squalor, right? And we don't have to look all that far. It's right before our eyes in our own community. What would it mean for you to be rich? toward God as opposed to storing up. I mean, the story, the parable, if you ripped it out of context and if you just read it somewhere, people would say, of course, it makes perfect sense. You have a, an abundance of crops, nowhere to store them, build bigger barns, take it easy. That's what we call retirement, right? Maybe that's not the way the story is supposed to go. Maybe we need to look at the American dream from just a little bit different angle. And think about folks, right? Last week, Lauren was talking about inclusion and about people who are struggling, trying to pursue. And, and in terms of inclusion, it's okay. Come on, you can be with us, like us. But don't be different when you come. 
Don't change us. Don't rock our boat. You're welcome here, but behave exactly like we do. That's conformity. What we're looking for is transformation. The people that God is bringing to us and has brought is purposeful. It's a part of his express intention, and it is changing us. We need to be changing. So consider, as you will, this week, the wealth that's been entrusted to you. Here's a simple one. The Emerging Leaders Institute we've talked about in the last couple of weeks. Uh, we've received $600 toward sponsoring Tim and Jaden to go. Uh, that means we need five, $500. We need $500 for the Emerging Leaders Institute. That's, uh, that's chump change, right? In a group like this. Let's make this happen next week. All right? That's an easy one. What are some others? Any ideas? Let's open this up. What do you think? Rich toward God. What do you got? You guys weren't ready to help me preach, were you? Rich toward God. What would that mean? What could we do? Come on. Think with me. Jeanette, let me get the microphone. So there's a Facebook group called Immigrant Families Together that kind of pulls resources for uh, helping raise bail money, especially uh, for immigrants that are in um, Detention. In, in, in jail and, and need to get out. They also often will have Amazon wish lists for families that have been reunited and need things like socks and underwear and hoodies and things for school. And you can just go on there and it's easy as you buy your own stuff. Just click and buy the things for other people. And what's that group called? Uh, Immigrant Families United. Okay. It's a great example, Patrick. Wonderful. Just read your program. There's an opportunity. How about some more? So on Monday night, the fourth Monday, um, excuse me, Corey. Feeding the homeless. Um, Dine and Connect. I'm too loud. Um, Dine and Connect, and it's an opportunity, even if, you know, if you have the time, go to the training at 415. And then be there. Um, that's being towards God. You don't really have that much of an investment. It's your time. Mm -hmm. And just being there for someone. Yeah. Stand up if you've been a part of Dine and Connect. So look around and maybe talk to one of these folks about what that experience was like for them. And, and maybe that's something that God is leading you to be a part of. What else? 
rich toward God. Thank you, Chuck. Compassion International. What else? Well, I was just going to mention Redwood Glen. Redwood Glen. Yeah, two of the ministries that uh, we have a partnership with, Mike mentioned Redwood Glen, and uh, Diana mentioned the seafarers and the bags that are prepared for them periodically. Other things, practical things, daily things in your life, rich toward God. measure of a sermon is not how it goes in here, but how it plays out there. And I know it's tough. We don't typically do it like this, put you on the spot, make you think about something, but I hope to encourage you to begin thinking about ways that you can transform or experience transformation that God wants for your possession life your finances, not just dollars and cents, but your attitude about dollars and cents and your partnership with others as a part of the world community. So verse 15 says, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And it might be like this, what is it in our lives that has a hold on us? What has a hold of you? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for our daily bread. Thank you that you are God. Father, we ask you to transform us in our thinking, in our attitudes, in our behaviors. God, I pray for my friends here and for myself. I pray a discomfort. God, make us uncomfortable. Make us squirm a little bit. Help us see what we've been unwilling to see about what's got a hold of us. And then God, give us open hands and open hearts 
to serve and to give and to love. And let us experience the liberating freedom that comes with that. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.